And hearing like any special start with a cold open is just fucking weird. Hey guys, welcome to Run of the Light. I'm your host, Jeremy Plum. And I'm David Kalsgard. And this week, there is no guest. Uh, it's just Jeremy and I. And we talk about Patton Oswald's I Love Everything. Yeah, we go into Death of the Author, which is removing the author from their work. We talk about Pat Oswald's growth as a person, and uh, we tangentially talk about Star Wars. Yeah, we talked a decent amount about Star Wars there, uh, but it was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you guys want to find more from me, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at David underscore Kausgard. That's K-O-U-S-G-A-A-R-D. Or you can find me on davidkausgard.com. Jeremy, where can people find more from you? Um, you can find me at Plum Jeremy on Instagram or Twitter. And if you want to find more about the podcast, about new episodes, special events, um, just last week we, we talked about David's uh, festivals. If you want to find any news about that, just look for Running the Light on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or MySpace. Just look for the big red light. And if you want extra content, episodes early, uh, just become a patron. Uh, episode, uh, tiers start as low as $3, and uh, we really we really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you guys so much again for listening. I hope you enjoy the episode. Chakabra. Stay dope, ski slope. And hearing like any special start with a cold open is just fucking weird. I know. That was I kind of uh I kind of liked it though, because it makes you intrigued. So like, hey, what's what is this bit? Especially when it yeah. pops to that screen that says fifty two minutes earlier. It's like, okay, well now I gotta watch to the end to I, I... I hope more comedy mediums do cold opens. I think it's just a great way to engage your audience. Yeah. I wonder I wonder what the thought process was behind that, though. Was it maybe... Do you think maybe it could have been a lack of confidence thing where it's like, I'm not sure if people are going to stick around from this one because this one was uh, a little bit more positive than his other ones, and he's like, oh, I'm going to keep my fans around. I think so I, I, it's a... T- it's a super 180 from Annihilation was the one with his talking about his wife and lost, yeah. correct? Yes, yeah. which is, of course, you know, going to be, um, it, that's going to be a darker one, just yeah. based on subject matter, so. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, I, I don't, well, by the way, welcome to Run the Light, a show that's always in progress. I'm your host, Jeremy Plum. Uh, and I'm David Kalsgard. Uh Thank you for listening. And also, I think that is the that is the shortest uh, cold open that we've ever done. The shortest running intro. Yeah, that is. It's been a minute since we've done it. In just a minute. Yeah, we've not have not having a third person look at us going, "Say the fucking name." <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, we don't. But also, usually when that third person is, we're having. A little more fun, upbeat, especially since we've lately just been using this show to reconnect with friends just as an excuse to talk to them again. Right. Uh, <laughs> but it's nice to go like, oh, five minutes in, I should say the name. You know what? This is this is nice. I like this. I respect that third person. Um, mm-hmm. But um, we're talking about, of course, a special – actually, I've been saving – but I've been hoping for a no guest episode for a little bit. I like having a guest, but sometimes I want to pick the special. Sometimes yeah. there are things go, no, 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 I want to talk about this today. And I don't get that chance. Um, I also, when we do like one episode, one movie a week, that doesn't sound like a lot of things. But when I'm doing a bunch of other shit for the podcast, it's like I don't get a lot of time. 
Yeah, there's there's a lot of things behind the scenes that people are like, oh, it's just one a week. It's like, no, it's there's a lot more that goes into it. That's there's a lot of unanswered text messages. Yeah, and we have both ends. we have a lot of uh, <laughs> we have we have way too many meetings for a podcast that is making <laughs> no money. We have way yeah. too. <laughs> um, that is this unprofessional, but yeah, I'm exactly. I've been wanting to watch and talk about Patton Oswalt's um, I Love Everything because I was, I've been thinking so much about Annihilation ever since it came out, ever since I saw it, and I love Patton Oswalt so much. Um, and then I realized it accidentally connected to a topic that I texted you about this week really well. Oh, the, yeah, okay. So okay, yeah. we're gonna get into that today. Okay, I th- I think you ca- I think with Patton, it is very obvious about Patton's growth and Patton's history. And the question I asked uh, Cameron, Sam Bontrager, or Maura Gillen, Cameron Logston, Larry Smith, basically our greatest hits collection. Yeah. Um. Uh, not all of them, but you know, a lot of it. Uh, was can you separate the comic from the joke? Basically, death of the author. Boil down. Mm-hmm. And Pat's a great example of it. Uh, we'll get into that in a minute, but we can maybe talk about just things we really like about the special overall. And I think you hit it most of all is that this is a very cheery and back to normal, not back to normal, back to basics. Patton. that cold open talking about Denny's. Mm-hmm. I went, oh shit, we're talking about fast food again. Well, fast cool. dining, but yeah, the same dining. category. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. Yeah, you 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 very much got the sense of like this isn't this isn't going to be like annihilation. This is going to be kind of a I don't, I'm not going to say bounce back uh, because annihilation wasn't bad. It wasn't uh, bad. It's it just, was, I don't want to call it a comedy special. Yeah, it was it's, it was definitely different because of the nature and context of what he was talking about in that right. special. For those who don't know or haven't seen Annihilation, uh, he talks m- mostly the entire time about the passing of his wife. Uh, that special came out. Uh, he actually had a previous special, the one before Annihilation. That came out the day his wife passed. Yes. And then Annihilation, where he talks about his wife's death and going through all of that. And it's it's good. There are definitely some laughs in there. But it is also you know, painful and heart-wrenching because he is talking about the the passing of somebody who we love. And now we're back to, and I'm not even going to say it's previous Patton. I'm not going to say it's old Patton. This is a new Patton. It is a new Patton. Because it is very much a new Patton, but it's also, it's a growth (laughs) Patton. It's a a Patton that's like grown and changed because it's just time and life. Yeah. And I... I've been so like the reason why I keep saying I don't call Annihilation a comedy special is it's it's very all comedy is personal yes but this feels like its intention isn't to make you laugh its intention is to open up and be vulnerable with an audience and that is not something uh, that is that is different and I want to treat it as its own thing yeah it's sharing um, I think it deserves it it's sharing. It's sharing emotion more than anything, but also trying to elicit some laughter through that shared emotion, which is sadness and loss. Right. Uh, 
So it's not exactly your stereotypical comedy special, but it is definitely special. Um, it's special, yes. But now we get back to I Love Everything, which is, uh, you know, he's, it's not as dark and grim by tenfold. And it's, yes. you can definitely tell that something has changed in his life, but it hasn't, to his core, changed his comedy. Like, you'll still, like, his pacing and his timing are still the exact same, but how he talks about things has changed a little. What you would, you, what you would see from Patton, if you were familiar with his discography, you see yeah. that happen, you know, through the years, but this one seems like a bigger step than the previous ones. It's like, not as there's small steps along the way with the CDs and a special, then there's annihilation, and then this is a this seems like a big step. For a big jump, if you want to, I think this is a, that shows the similarities and differences. Imagine comparing this with lollipops and werewolves. Yeah, the pacing and the timing is there. Some of the subject matter is still the same. I think uh, there's still talks about. Fuck, there, there isn't a lot. Um, but like, like there's still talks about food. There's still nerd stuff. You know, mm-hmm. there's still some of the you know very core patent stuff. And the timing is there. The word choice is there. The very deep cut movie references, which I love patent for. Like not just like 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 oh this is a pop culture movie. No, no, no. These are some very uh, like cinema kino shit, and I love them for that. Uh, that's all still there. But, like, the anger has changed. The 90s alt, like, fuck it kind of attitude is, like, it's different now. Like, it's a different person, which it should be. Yeah, yeah because he's 50 now. He's not in his late 20s and early 30s when he had his earlier stuff come out. He should be He should be different, and the things he talked about should be... The thing that I appreciated the most... And he's kind of been trending this way is a lot of the nerdier stuff that he does. It's not so because there were some bits that he used to do that were just bananas absurdist. Mm -hmm. And then uh, like especially early on in his more punk alt comedy days. But now you you see it a little bit throughout his discography. It kind of goes away in Annihilation like most things that he does because it's a different thing. But there's still like the the references, but they're not like like the front-facing part of the joke like they used to be. They are the adjectives to a word, not the subject of the sentence. Exactly. They They are the background characters on the stage. They enhance and they help, but they're not the forefront anymore. And I'm not sure if that's just a thing that came with age where he's realizing even more so now that he's like, you know, I can make these references, but some of the things in my reference repertoire aren't exactly on the forefront like they used to be. So I'll put them in the background for the people who enjoy it, but I'll focus more so on something else that's happening instead of, you know, this right here. 
I remember now. So this book was written in a period of time, like he's referencing a period of time before Lollipops and Werewolves, but Silver Screen Fiends, which I've recommended to everybody. Yes, you have. You wanted to talk about that book on this podcast for a while. And one day we will get to it. I promise you, buddy. It is a five hour podcast. uh, It is a five hour book. You are flying to uh, um, Vegas tonight? uh, Tomorrow morning. Tomorrow Tomorrow afternoon. Fuck. Um, I recommend that. It is five hours. If you have an audible credit, throw it in. It is a short, quick, fun read, especially if you love the history of alt comedy in Mm. California. And you want to learn more about film? That is, uh, it's a great, it's a great five-hour drive. I, Jake, and I plopped it in when we were driving from uh, Minnesota, Michigan, to uh, Illinois to Nebraska. It, it just covered the entire ride. It was great. Mm-hmm. But that is about his obsession with pop culture, his obsession with uh, uh, basically film, and I would say like a very specific era of film, and going to the old Beverly and whatnot. And being really obsessed and it taking up and consuming his comedy work with mad tv specifically um and his uh beginning alt uh comedy change because he was a comic well before the alt uh scene and then uh was transitioning and that i feel like that is part of the patent story like it's very obvious in his later records but like i think he he realized it's not as big as an obsession or as big as a part of him as it was when he was younger. Like mm. you said, it's age. Now he talks about his wife, his daughter, being older. Oh, he, talks, he talks about owning a house and buying a house, which is not something I thought I would ever hear Patton talk about outside of that one joke where he talks about the magic of, a, of the signature. The, yeah. I can't remember what album that is where he just talked. But even then, the focal point of that isn't about buying a house it's and about owning a house it's about cursive writing (laughs) now he talks about owning a house and having to hire contractors and subcontractors you you could imagine that bit like okay the subject that's actually this is how we're going to get into the topic later on um you could imagine that topic coming out of brian regan out of Mm -hmm. uh, chad daniels Mm-hmm. Maybe even a Gall- uh, Gaffigan. Yep. I almost said Gallagher, and I go, no, Gallagher <laughs> is Gallagher is more food based. Yeah, he doesn't the, concern himself with property. The the only way that he would talk about owning a house is if he started smashing small houses on stage with a mouth. Gallagher <laughs> believes that private property is a sham. <laughs> no, that's that's just why. <laughs> Man, I don't think you. I don't think Gallagher is as cool as you're making him seem right now. No, Gallagher too, though. No, Gallagher too is really cool. Oh, Gall- Gallagher too. After after he spent some time soul searching, he read a bunch of uh, read a bunch of communist literature in the woods. He is dope as hell. He went from Gallagher T W O to Gallagher T O O. Fuck you. Fuck you for that one. That sounds funny. That means nothing. Like that like that sounds deep. It means nothing. So you know, a neoliberal approach. But <laughs> Oh god. No, I mean it you could you could derive a meaning from it to the cuz two T O O is an inclusive word. 
It is. And an inclusive he he develops a more inclusive ideology. So there we go. <laughs> you didn't even know you did that, did you? Uh, no, no, I didn't. <laughs> I'm sleepy as shit. <laughs> That's no why I said fuck you. <laughs> no guest podcast. Jeremy's leftist ideologies come out way more. Oh yeah, it's and I have to try to rein them in to at least be, you know, just not so radical. Oh uh, no. <laughs> you could call these my manifesto. Oh man, I'm on you know now what? I'm on it's, record you know with what? your manifesto. That's gonna drag like... me down. I forgot what I looked like for a second. I don't get to say manifesto. You know what? Yeah, you. Yeah. 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 No. <laughs> no. Anyways, um, no, it's it's a more mature patent, but still also very goofy and fun and childish. Like, he still does a, a bit about the Millennium Falcon, a bit I was actually depressed about for him. And I hate Solo, the movie. Mm-hmm. But if yeah. someone offered me to see the Millennium Falcon, uh, I think I'd lose my shit. Yeah, how do you say no to that? I I feel like I would love my children deeply. Yes. But no, I like I would yeet that kid away just to look at the original prop of Luke's uh, like lightsaber. In episode four, I don't have to touch it. So you 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 want to look at the the Skywalker saber, the original saber? Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. More than anything, and the fact that I could make that, uh, I could make that in Disney World is great. What bugs me is they call it Ray Saber, and I go, it's not technically Ray Saber. Ray Saber was in episode nine for like a scene. It's different. Can I? I. Mm-hmm. Also, technically, it should be called Anakin Saber, but still, I I've just I just call it the Skywalker Saber because of the lineage it follows. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. It's just it's just weird because that's technically not Rays, but I also mm. understand that it is kind of Rays. Like it's yeah, it's an heirloom. Yeah, it, it yeah. it's it's seen multiple generations and yes. been passed down. Um, yeah. Which I think um, is why Kylo Ren wanted it so bad. <laughs> it's also a fucking cool ass looking saber. Like, yeah. it's just it's just the coolest one. It's oh, actually no, the coolest looking. Okay, this is our slide diatribe. The coolest looking lightsaber is the one that looks like it's pieced together with junk parts. Like any like ex, like like legends or extended universe stuff that is just like I built mm-hmm. this saber out of scrap. Yeah, it is a force oh, user who didn't have the training to. And the material to build an actual lightsaber who is now building uh, just their own, the best that they could out of yeah. the legends. But yeah. Kylo I, Ren's actually is that. Yeah, it's because that's what the exhaust are on the side. Kylo Ren's is fucking cool. Well, Kylo Ren's is mostly because of the, the crystal is cracked and so it's destabilized. So that's why he needs to have the side vents there so that the yeah. beam doesn't become unstable. It's not so much built. I mean, it's kind of shoddily built. But it's not like yeah. a junk saber. Oh, God, I just want to play a cool Star Wars game where I can build my own saber and it's just a piece of shit. Dude, apparently they're coming out with... Some, I've heard some rumors about the new slate of Star Wars games that are supposed to be coming out. And I'm like, this 
I think EA is finally doing Star Wars right because they've been I hope shitting the right. they've been shitting the bed for so long on Star Wars video games. You have a you have a property and an intellectual property that prints money essentially, and you keep fucking it up with the shit that you're putting out. But just the last couple of games that they've put out, I I have a little faith in them now. Yeah, I wanted to try the the Dark Souls like Jedi Fallen Order. I wanted to try that really badly. Mm-hmm. I just haven't had a chance. But if they just re-release KOTOR 1 and 2 on the Switch, I don't fucking care. Like, I will spend 30 minutes listening to the uh, story of the Jawas. That's all <laughs> I need. That is... Shit, that story's really cool. Like, listen. That story's cool as shit. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure why you're looking for an argument here. I agree with you. You're... <laughs> yeah, no, for the nerd, for the people going, this is bold. That no, it can't be cool. No, 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 no. guys, it's really cool. <laughs> like everything about Star Wars that's not Anakin Skywalker and his family, mm-hmm. actually, really cool. The, I mean, those are those are fun stories, but they're you know. They're definitely geared to a little... When you get into the expanded universe, though, that's when it becomes more geared to, like, adults, not children. In the yeah. expanded... Like, they go into way more detail of just about how awful the actual wars that they're fighting uh, in Star Wars are. Uh, uh, by the way, my vote... Sorry, go what? on. Go, give them your jumping off point, and we'll... we'll oh, the Thrawn trilogy. Oh, the Thrawn trilogy. Yes, that dude. Uh, he is. Yeah. I wish he would make an appearance, not in a children's cartoon. Um, Apparently, I, he's really cool, and also Spider Darth Maul's in it. I want them to. Uh, oh, you Rebels? Yeah, I've I've yeah. seen some of it, but I want them to do a movie the same way that they've been making all these other movies about Thrawn, because God, that is so just cool. that is probably one of the coolest and most underappreciated parts of. Uh, of the Star Wars mm. iconography, um, uh, the uh, no. yeah, you were the, the coolest lightsaber, in my opinion, uh, is the dark saber. I'm pulling that up. I th- I know what you're talking about. I it's, actually know what you're talking about. It's the light. It it's the lightsaber with the black blade that was built by the first Mandalorian, first and only Mandalorian Jedi. And has now become a symbol of power. Don't tell, no, wait, don't. Okay. What? I, I thought you were giving spoilers for a show that I have not seen all of. No, this no, 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 no. I'm no, no. It, but it is a symbol of like authority amongst yeah. the Mandalorian because it's whoever was. Oh, I can't remember which house it is off the top of my head now, but essentially the head of this house would take control of the dark saber, and that technically made them. Mandalore, leader of the Mandalorians. But, you know, when it comes to Clone Wars, like that had ended because instead of the tribal feudalism that the Mandalorian tribes had, you know, established, they became more of a civilized society and all of those things after their planet was essentially destroyed by war. And so they elected the their representatives and their officials instead of just having the strongest, toughest, and whoever controlled the dark saber being their leader, it's it's a that is cool just because a the history of it and the lore behind it is rich and thick, but also 
it's a lightsaber with a black fucking blade. It, it also when we say blade, I do we do mean it is knife shaped. It is cracked. Um, it looks f- like I saw it being sold sold at Walmart right now in the kids aisle. And guess what? It's cool as shit. They're selling. They're selling a dark saber. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, everything in me is trying to be like, dude, you're almost thirty. Don't go buy this. You are an adult. Here's here's the thing. You are almost thirty. You can buy it. <laughs> Who's gonna tell you no? Fuck my, you. My wife. My wife. You know, if, if actually, even wife, then, my wife would probably be on board with. It's in stock. It's only twenty five bucks. Mm. Right, well, I think I know what I'm doing today. Fuck packing. I'm going to. <laughs> yeah. I'll send you the link. I will literally send you the link to it after this episode. Thank you. Um, yeah. um I'm gonna fucking I haven't cracked open that Thrawn book in a while. I'm gonna fucking read that tonight. Holy shit, that shit. Okay, we we have really we have to get deviated. back. Like, that's the shit. That's the shit that I used to love Patton for, right? Mm-hmm. Like I love getting into that because like him and Brian Bussain are like the two. They go, yeah, fuck yeah, we'll just get into the paint. And this is not that. See, I can tie it back. I'm great. Yeah. Uh, but, but it also you could like Patton didn't change, like right. It's not like a, it's not like a '90s Carlin to like '70s Carlin change. It's just like your dad. Yeah, like he the he's still the same dude with the same interest. But there's definitely I'm not gonna say it's an unchanged person, but there are differences in what they find important now. Just minor changes to what is now a priority in this person's life. Yeah, like definitely, his wife is very his his wife is very important to him. Mm-hmm. Um, his his daughter is very important to him. Uh, the hatred of Denny's <laughs> very um, important to him. Yeah. I listen. I remember like taking the I taking the bus from Omaha to Kearney, and there was a twenty minute stop in Grand mm-hmm. Island, and across that place, no, 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 no. Uh, I, I stopped in Grand Island. And I needed somebody to pick me up because that was the end of the stop mm-hmm. of that bus line. I sat in a Denny's in the middle of the day. The sky was gray. I mean, like depressing gray, mm-hmm. and I ordered a Grand Slam. Which I think is just a special effect that the Denny's put on their windows. Mm-hmm. Like you can walk, you walk outside, it's bright blue skies, not a cloud in sight. As soon as you walk in, you look out the window, it's like, oh, is it going to rain? Actually, no, David, here's where I'm going to fight you because I need to know what that bus stop looked like. Sometimes there are like, you know, go, go to Salt Lake City, the bus stop is very nice, it's beautiful, it's like a train station. There are places for you to eat. No, this is a one room shack. With boarded up windows, there's nothing for miles. It's just highway surrounding mm-hmm. that place. And the only thing across from you is a Denny's. Yeah. No, that sounds like a Midwest bus stop. Yeah, no, that is a Steinbeck novel. <laughs> that is the beginning of a Steinbeck novel. I had just my army backpack. I didn't say a word to anyone. And I sat and I ordered a Grand Slam and black coffee. 
So Jesus, are you a criminal on the run? What the? <laughs> I said the beginning of a Steinbeck novel. That yeah, you're I right. Could, I could have just easily have said Grapes of Wrath. Did now here's the thing. I have to ask and I have to know. Did you actually order a black coffee or are you just trying to be artsy right now? I order coffee and half the time it's black. Like okay. I will maybe put sugar in it, but it's it's depending on like my mood. But when I, when you're kind of depressed and tired, yeah, it's not really black coffee. Just let's just get this shit done. I always I always drink my coffee black. Hotel coffee is almost always black coffee. Yep. Like if I'm waking up at a hotel, especially after a gig or back when I was doing forensics, it's almost always black coffee, maybe a sugar. Like nothing. Mm. Uh, this, especially when I went to Mankato. Uh, Kansas that had salty coffee, so I had to put sugar in it. Mm. Try to um, balance it just a little bit. Balance it just a little bit. When I'm doing a gig, yeah, it's black coffee. Like it is. I'm tired. I don't do this shit. It's black coffee. Yeah. Um. But yeah, if it's good coffee, I'll actually put a creamer or some sugar in it to enhance the flavor because I actually it, care about the flavor. If it's good coffee, I don't even touch touch it. It's like it. It's like if you get a good steak, you don't need any sauce on that. Good well, steak people think is a good, good coffee is vanilla coffee, and it's like like vanilla bean coffee, and I go, yeah, that's fine, but mm. you don't taste it. If you put a hazelnut in there with it, the vanilla comes out more. Stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, maybe. If it's a good, good, like really good coffee, like an actual artisanal, like small place, there's actual flavor into it, yeah, I don't put anything in it. I sit with it. But like it's a Starbucks, fuck you, I'm not doing this. I just, it doesn't matter where I go, what I do. Coffee's, the coffee's black. It used if to it's be Americano. Good, if it's good coffee, years. if it's good coffee, if it's bad coffee, I drink it black. Mm. I don't care. It's, it's the mood. It's like, do I just want to drink this to feel something or do I want to drink this to taste? It depends on what I put. Mm. Also for years, I would never drink regular coffee. It was an Americano. Uh, black okay. mm. Just to wake up and yeah. feel something. Yeah, that's, I mean, is there any other reason to drink coffee? Like, I do, I do enjoy a good coffee. Like, I'm not saying that I haven't ever had, like, uh, you know, a white mocha latte or something like that. There's, you know, those are pretty good. Yeah, there's good coffees out there with good flavors. But it's just, if I'm, if I'm waking up in the morning, black coffee, just let, let's, Let's get this show on the fucking road. Let's do this. I want to be done. Like, just like, I just want to be done. Yeah. Um, which is why if I, if I'm out of town for a gig, half the time I'm never there overnight, but there have been a few, uh, I will just oversleep instead of waking up and trying to get that continental breakfast and that shitty coffee, because that is, uh, cause if so, my breakfast is usually coffee and a cigarette. <laughs> All right, Bukowski. Or if, if I'm with family, I will sometimes order like, "Hey, I'll have some oatmeal or waffles," because I do like a good, I do like a good shitty hotel waffle. Mm-hmm. It's a, yeah. it's a great feeling. But anyways, uh, Pat Oswald, like he, it's still there, and I think you and I maybe we can talk about the thing that's that's in here that I think is the most meaty discussion is a death of an author and an author's voice in a special. Where no matter what happens, a joke is still uniquely that author. And I will be referencing a lot of different comics 
uh, and what they're saying and quoting them. Because I did ask them. Because this wasn't even mentioned for the podcast. I texted you on, like, what, Wednesday? It was either Wednesday or Thursday, yeah. Yeah, I was just bored. Like, I was thinking about an old Sam Kennison episode that we did. Episode 2, uh, A Face I Want to Scream, um, a cheap horror movie, episode 4. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, after that, I've told the story about a couple of comic friends coming up to me and cornering me going, no, you don't get Kennison, man. You got to listen to his life story and understand where he is. And I go, fuck you, I don't. Mm-hmm. And then I thought, there are other comics that I don't listen to because I know who they are. And I won't ever, some of them I won't ever really bring up on the show because I know who they are as a person. So how do I, how do I marry those two thoughts? And they go, well, what I'm discussing now is death of an author. Can you remove the author from the joke? Like you could technically in a work of fiction or in a novel. Mm-hmm. Um, for those who don't know death of an author, death of an author is, uh, I learned a lot in my English studies. Um, it is that when looking and researching the, uh, it was basically a way so that if you're researching an author's work, someone couldn't easily refute it and say, well, that's not their life. That's not the author's life and the, uh, their biography and what they said. So you don't have, you, you can't look into it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, a good example is, oh God, a great example for me is actually an obscure 1913 comic strip. So I'm not going to do that, but let's do... Fuck it. A very easy sixth grade one is let's say we're doing 1984 and uh, applying it to today's current political landscape. Mm-hmm. And you go, well, Oswald didn't know that. So, bleh. Orwell. And it's like, you, you can look into it more. Death of an author is saying we can remove and it's not the end all be all. You can remove what? An author. Sorry. You can remove an author from their work without so it. You, you can remove the author's personal opinions. From the work that they put out. Exactly. Now, stand-up is unique. Mm Because I could do that with Whitman. I could argue, even though Whitman's work as a poet, a poet is still uniquely personal, you could remove that from him. You could read a Sappho poem and take it in a lot of different ways that without actually ever researching who Sappho was. It helps. It's very important if you do. But you don't have to. I think some of the themes that the author intended is very much still there without knowing their life, but it's still there. But comedy is different. Mm-hmm. Comedy is a far more... It's a strange area to try to talk about this in because comedy is... You know, there are people who don't do comedy that is necessarily rooted in reality. They get very absurdist and they get very weird. Uh, so you can't really like judge their life off of that. Uh, right. But so I'm just going to say my piece right now, uh, because it's a pretty simplistic one. Uh, just the, I think it's a case by case basis. Like a person like Patton, you can absolutely read into, the uh, the author's life for his comedy but then there are other people like uh uh nick vaderot who very very funny hilarious dude super absurd i'm not sure if you can look into his life and see what 
his meaning and intention were based off of his life with the jokes that he did. But you can do that with comedians like, you know, Patton Oswalt and uh, hell, even Brian Regan or Chad Daniels or just the main two other examples that were already brought up in this podcast. It's situational. Like you can yeah. sometimes you can remove, sometimes you can't. Um, I'm going to quote a comic friend. I, I, my thoughts in the beginning are very simplistic. Um, and that is no, no, I don't think so. I think a joke is, uh, is definitely informed by, even if you're absurd, right? Let's mm-hmm. say you're a caricature of a person like Larry, the cable guy or red green. Um, you are still in there a little bit. Or I, you and I talked about Anthony Jeselnik or Tosh Point, uh, or Daniel Tosh. Mm-hmm. He's an asshole, but he's not really that off stage. The joke only works. And here, okay, why Jeselnik works for me, but Kinnison doesn't. I know Jeselnik doesn't actually believe that. Also, another layer is Jeselnik doesn't make fun of people. He makes fun of broad situations. He makes fun of a person, not people. And that's mm-hmm. a very distinct difference, I think, between him and Kennison. He'll make fun of a specific person or a specific mm-hmm. baby. Kennison makes fun of women. Yeah. Hip-hop it, it, artists. There's a, difference. there's a difference between painting with a broad brush there and the difference between, you know, going after specific people in specific situations. Right. Like, I think and, it's... I think that's a that's a comedy I enjoy better because it's not so much like there's this thing I don't know what a better thing to call it but it's but uh, I call it other comedy where you see a lot of comedians who are like oh these people these other people these you know idiots these morons and then lay out something that they personally think is stupid that they might have seen a singular person do that they are now generalizing to a whole group of people. And I don't enjoy that as much as this fucking moron, this one dude. Yeah. Like this, but the joke works with Jezenek on a different level is because we know Jezenek wouldn't do that. Yeah. And you, it's, it's one of the things you go, I can't believe him. Um, <laughs> But I, I try, for some reason, it feels like there's this balance, right? But the one that I think we talked about the most was Cameron Longston. Mm-hmm. Cameron Longston and I, uh, we talked for a bit. Um, so one thing we pointed out is, one, he's, he points out that uh, you, the only way you can separate a joke from the person is a meme. Once it's a meme, it's publicly owned good example is the mcdonald's bit from john mulaney mm-hmm. which is a meme but that can be separate from the rest of uh comeback kid but also points out and i think it, it, it it's really important i really do uh understand that uh you can't separate a author comic because to do so might change the interpretation altogether one comic doing a republican sarcastic joke might hit different if you know that uh comedian is an actual republican versus if they're not Mm -hmm. um and look and knowing the context uh of the person and the audience it's performing that person is performing to um 
is all a part of that and can't be removed, and so therefore the joke can't be separated on its own. You can't remove the joke from the person saying it and where they're saying it. I'm Not Afraid of You Motherfuckers by Bernie Mac Mm -hmm. isn't funny. Like, I've seen comics for years get on stage in small bars going, I'm not afraid of you motherfuckers. And I go, you don't understand why that was so big. Yeah. The situation is, the situational awareness as to why that is funny is lost on them. It is. And for those who don't know, it's like, what are you talking about? It's like, okay, in Kings of Comedy, um, they were performing. There was a, uh, they were in a stadium, if I remember correctly, like a huge event, like thousands of people. And everyone before Bernie was fucking bombing, and they were giving their A game, and they were hot, and the crowd was wasn't just non-interested; they were hostile. Mm-hmm. And everyone's like, "Warning, Bernie!" It's like, dude, just just go out there, just take the hit, get the fuck out, right? Don't even try. Bernie saunters on, grabs the mic, and goes, "I'm not afraid of you, motherfuckers!" and gives the best set of his life. Mm-hmm. It is, but you doing it in front of a bar that is actually pretty good for a bar but maybe a little weak because everyone else is not great before you guess what it's not the same hit no no it's different audience audience context and uh comedian context i did a joke in california i'm a nebraska comic nebraska is even though we can separate our, our electoral codes, uh, uh, electoral colleges, is known as a very red state mm-hmm. and not progressive. I went to California and I was introduced as the Nebraska comic. And um, no one knows who I am. It is very clear listening to me for like 10 seconds. Jeremy is very, very liberal. Not liberal, yeah. leftist. I am very left leaning. It's very obvious. Yeah. I have a jacket that says eat the rich. Um, that David laughed at me because I had to take to a dry cleaner. Yeah. You, yeah. You can't have a jacket that says eat the rich and then do some bougie shit like go to a dry cleaner. You but, can't. Okay. $10 to clean a jacket is not bougie. It's just how you clean a sweater. You don't throw a sweater in the wash. Sorry. I'm, I'm fucking up with my mute here. No, the just the act of taking it to a dry cleaner instead of figuring out a way to do it at home is bougie shit. That that's no, what you're, you're not wrong. <laughs> not wrong. Not wrong. Uh, anyways, um, but in California, I don't seem that way. I also dress like a Nebraskan. Like it's just it, I can't get past it. Plaid over shirt, black shirt, jeans that only mm. kind of fit. And a baseball cap. I look like a Nebraskan. <laughs> yeah, you you look like you are not from that area. Yep. So when I do a joke uh, about like growing up Catholic, uh, I, I do a joke making fun of Catholics. Or I say uh, having sex before marriage to Catholics are the second biggest sin there is. That and voting Democrat. Um, I, I think it's funny. I think it's shitty. I I, I love dunking on Catholics any chance I get. I grew up Catholic. Mm-hmm. That joke doesn't play in California. Not in a five-minute set. Because they need more time to get to know you, especially since the only thing they know about you is where you're from. 
they need to they need a little more time before they can be like okay he's he's not making the the joke that it's you know bad to vote democrat it's a specific situational thing right. which based off of just nebraska yeah you could see people easily getting on guard being like oh the dude from the midwest thinks it's a sin to vote democrat of course he does right whereas in omaha uh, that joke plays really well, especially to a younger, like, left-leaning audience. Mm-hmm. And it's great because I'm in a dingy bar and I clearly, that context is easier here now, right? That context is way easier. Yeah. Um, and uh, context of the audience, it matters. And that doesn't mean that, oh, I only work to X crowd. But uh, Sam Von Trigger pointed out that like certain comics can't perform in front of like the death like the death clown posse, right? You can't imagine John Mulaney in front of the death clown posse. The what? Uh, what's the fucking uh, the clown? The insane clown posse? The juggalos? Fucking, I don't, I'm tired, guys. I'm very tired. The juggalos, right? You couldn't you couldn't imagine like like Mulaney in front of juggalos. Because mm-hmm. maybe it doesn't work as well. He'd still do good, better than you and I. But yeah, it, it, it wouldn't match the energy that the crowd likes. But the context of what works and what doesn't work is important. And uh, my thought is, David and I both have jokes about sex. We both have weird jokes about sandwich. We actually both have sandwich jokes. Actually, that's a good one. We both have sandwich jokes. Mm-hmm. But because David and I have so dramatically different voices, if I took David's meatball sub joke and David oh, took yeah, my... The... I completely forgot I have that joke. <laughs> I, I don't. I don't forget it. Uh, sandwiches are important here. Um, and if David did my Baconator joke, it is very clear who wrote what joke. Mm-hmm. because david has a very specific voice i have a very specific voice that's why that show in omaha existed that's what she said for so fucking long mm-hmm. although i do think i do think that we would both be able to tell each other's jokes mm-hmm. we would just have to tell it differently than the other one does but that's that's uh, inflicting our author voice in there yeah, we wouldn't be yeah. able to do it just as, like, I wouldn't be able to do your delivery because I'm not that nervous all the time. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm you not be, as calm and deadpan. You wouldn't be able to do my delivery, yeah, because it's just, it's different. It doesn't, it's, we would have to put it into our own mm-hmm. voices. And that's where, that's where a lot of the uniqueness of, stand up and that's why it's so hard to separate people from jokes sometimes mm-hmm. because there's it's just that you like that joke is different there was a in hindsight this uh round table that was on this show that was talking about this actually isn't a great round table it's jerry seinfeld louis ck and ricky gervais were hey, all uh ricky uh yeah, Ricky Gervais. Oh, 
Yeah. I, yeah. For a second there, I thought I said his name wrong, and I might have. No, but... I could... Uh... I couldn't hear for a second. That was it. Oh, okay. Yeah. But they were talking about something similar. It's telling jokes in different voices. And so all of them went around and they essentially did a joke from each comedian in their own voice. Didn't one of them also drop an N-word? I remember this one. No. No. No, no, no. That was a different time. That was a different... That was a that was a different thing. I'm not entirely sure what you're talking about there. I, I don't. Something at the improv, you know. I think. I but I think I know what you're talking about. Yeah. But no, th- this was like a roundtable TV interview, mm-hmm. uh, and like Jerry did a CK joke, and CK did a Gervais joke, and Gervais did a, and it's just an example of how all of these jokes, when you get down to it, are funny, but the delivery is unique and specific to each person. Uh, but it could technically be done by other people. Yeah. It's just but, uh, not the, it's just not the same. It is, and it, it wouldn't is, feel the same. It, everything about the joke is so entangled on the person and the audience. And I want to get to the audience later, but I want to talk about the person. Patton Oswalt's a great example here. Because I don't think you can watch this special. You can't watch the blue and pink set with the nice, beautiful house that looks new coming out and the uh, like the soaring, happy piano jingle. Mm-hmm. And not go, Patton is clearly in a happier place than he's been in a long time. Yeah. He's been in a minute. You can't hear these jokes and go, Patton's clearly changing in a great way. Mm-hmm. I... I Patton's life is very much entwined. Even if you even if you say, "Well, that's just modern comedy. Modern comedy is very in, uh, internal now," uh, which I agree. Yeah, class not... clown only exists because Lenny Bruce got arrested. Yeah, and Carlin like got arrested with him. Yeah, and he got arrested with him. And then a great so adding on to that example. Carlin does that joke in two different specials. Seven Dirty Words You Can't Stay on Radio and Television. He does it in two different specials. Classic Clown mm-hmm. and HBO Live, the very first special. HBO Live was after the FCC. Yeah. Now, in the first uh, special, it has a very different context with him and the audience and uh, the entire special as its whole. The thesis of that being a classic clown is anti-societal, anti-conformity. Um, that applies even to our adults, uh, adult life. And the uh, Seven Dirty Words is a cap on all of that. Swearing, it can be a very juvenile thing, but it's also a very adult thing that we still put power into this day. The FCC one is going, why are people so mad that I said this? Yeah. Because it, it, in hindsight, even he says, even at this point, it doesn't mean anything. There's different context. And the audience context, who understands, who knew the lawsuit, they are also on a different page. The audience is just as important as you. Which is why your set buildup is also super fucking important. And that really works more, like this is talking higher level, like famous comedians. People are knowing what's going on in your life because you are a public figure now. Um, I'm not sure if that has the same translation to you or I, where people have no idea. People have no idea what is going on in our life. So everything that is going on in our life, they have to do. They have to deduce it from our set if 
they're able to. So, are, okay, so here's a smaller set. I'm not going to say the comic's name, just because I haven't asked them in advance. Uh, every comic I've named here, I've asked during this episode, or I'm going to ask later. <laughs> um, yeah. But uh, a comic I remember did two clashes. They are a very, they're Iowa-centric. They talk about their kids, and but they're very much a redneck. Like, in a fun way, not a derogatory way. They're very much a country kind of rednecky person. Mm-hmm. They did one clash, dressed up. Khakis, nice shirt. Yeah, and uh, one of the balance they got is wear something that fits who you are as a person, mm-hmm. which I think boils down in a bad way to you have to wear X, Y, and Z on stage, a shirt without anything on it, and stuff like that. Which okay, we could go into detail how that's kind of bullshit. But I'm I mean not- that that works for me because that's just who I am as a person. I'm very right. much a I'm a like a. As much as I do think that I can be interesting, overall, I'm not a very, like, when I walk out on stage, you expect to hear certain things coming out of my mouth. You expect, and I kind of dress into that by wearing, you know, logo-less, sweaters mostly, t-shirts sometimes, depending on if it's a venue or, you know, something that looks nice. Like something that if you were told like, hey, you have to go take a family photo right now, I'd be like, you know what? I don't have to change. Like that's the style that I go for. And it fits for me because that's just kind of who I am as a person. I have dressed like that since I was in high school. Like that is just who I am. arguably that shows who you are. Yeah, that shows who I am. Yeah. If it... And that's the, I think the thing that they were really getting at is like, if you are like, if you're a punk, a more alty punk rockish kind of comedian, absolutely. Wear band shirts on stage. Wear I'm band a chaotic shirts. mess. Yeah. I wear skinny jeans, my black and white vans and a black t-shirt. Sometimes it has a Godzilla logo on it. Mm-hmm. And you, <laughs> um, if, and then if you wear a stage, if you wear a flannel on stage, that's right up your alley. That is. It depends who on the season. Yeah, yeah. Pretty much. It, you you don't talk about the baconator fucking with a button up shirt on. Exactly. Unless like, you're are being you, the baconator parents. Yeah, you would look. Uh, it would feel, and sometimes that can work in your favor. Like if yeah. I were to put, like if I were to put on a nice sweater, and let's say. In a world where you didn't write the Baconator bit, I did. I feel like I could get away with doing the Baconator bit dressed how I'm dressed just because it is a departure from what you would expect to come out of my mouth, but not such a deep departure that it, that I, it seems weird that I'm It would be a this. chaotic turn for you. Yeah, but it wouldn't, yeah. Be, a, it wouldn't be such a deep turn. And a turn away from what I look like and what I should be talking about, quote yeah. unquote, uh, should be yeah. the even the even but, if I did a Sam joke or a Cameron joke. I could. I don't think I have the ability to do that. Cameron's a a very smart writer, mm-hmm. uh, and everything is super per like everything is so precise in the best way. <laughs> Sam. Sam is very wild 
and very like actually putting those two together i think is the right one sam is very wild you've heard him on the kid code stuff sam goes not to 11 but to 15 yeah i think you could do a sam bit because you two have not dissimilar energies like they're not the same but there's a wavelength where there are some Sam bits where I'm like, I bet Jeremy could do that. And there's some Jeremy bits where I'm like, I bet Sam could do that. I could do the drifter joke. You probably could. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And Sam definitely could do, I think he could definitely do Baconator. Yeah. Like it's. Yeah. He could do Baconator. Yeah. But I don't think he, I don't think Sam could do uh, your, uh, text from a priest bit no and i don't think that you could do sam's uh jesus rides in my sidecar bit god i i i i think about that joke often Mm -hmm. Um, i'm sorry for everybody who's listening who has never heard any of us do stand up and have no idea what we're talking about this is a little more insidey but it's a little bit insidey but these are very specific jokes that very much specific to us G- uh, so, uh, the early version of that joke has Sam going <laughs> day by day different fictional characters like Snap, Crackle, and Pop and he would go into it. Yeah, that would ride it, in his sidecar <laughs> on what day of the week. It's a fantastic it's a fantastic bit. It's a fantastic bit. Um <sighs> It's good. God, the my baconator fit is very well documented here. Don't even. It's yeah, fine. But the for the, the the apologies for the people who have no idea, like who yeah. we're talking about and what jokes we're talking about. That's these are very specific examples. Next time, if we if we're going to if we go, if we're going to keep going into this further. Uh, this is mostly a note for myself. Just try to open it up to like more famous. Famous that people um, would be like yeah okay i used i used local ones because i want to talk about in that specific way of like even you at like three years in can do something right mm-hmm. um if you want to hear more about cameron logston who cameron logston is or sam bontrigger um episode 67 we tell jokes is a great one with cameron where i interviewed two oea nominated comics uh, david kalsgaard and cameron logston <laughs> About how we write jokes and how Jeremy's never been nominated. Well, thank um, you, thank you for shoehorning that in. I, yeah, uh, yeah, I learned from two of the best, and I will uh, continu- continuously be the bridesmaid. And I am. Don't worry. One day they'll settle. <laughs> um, <laughs> I also am never mad when I'm not in. I go, ah, oh, fuck! I should try harder next year. Yeah, that is we... basically it. Again, for people who don't know, OEAA is the Omaha Entertainment and Arts Awards. Uh, Cameron Logston, previous guest of the show, as well as uh, Tyler Walsh, who was previous guest of the show. Yes, Tyler Walsh, yes. And and myself all got nominated. Ollie for, Kareem. And Ollie Kareem, previous guest of the show. Uh, we all got nominated uh, for uh, Outstanding Comedian, Most Outstanding Comedian in Omaha. So that is, that's nice. That's great. And I feel, this was one of the few years that they put out that list and I was like, okay. Like everybody who is on this list deserves to be on this list because they have done variations of work and have busted their ass doing it. 
So yeah. there, there isn't anybody on this list where I'm like, I haven't seen this person do comedy in two years. Why the fuck are they exactly. on this list? You're right. Yes. Yeah. Everyone on that list deserves to be there. Yes. yes. I agree. And congrats to all. Yes. Yes. But it's uh, uh, getting back to what we were actually talking oh, about. Oh, and also Kid Coats episode. I'm sorry. If you want to know more about Sam Bontrager. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, episode 63, Kid Coat Riff, Kool-Aid Fertility, uh, parentheses, Kool-Aid Fertility God, parentheses, the right amount of Sam. <laughs> yeah, there, we had a lot of titles for that one. Yeah, that, that was... was the bit. <laughs> I wanted to see how far SoundCloud would push it. It's, it, and, well, I think that's actually the reason why our SoundCloud went down. You pushed it too hard on that, on that yeah. episode with the titles. Um, but, yeah, that's, you can't separate the voice of the comic and the audience. The audience is really important mm-hmm. from the joke. I think it's, it's all contextual. And, yeah, and uh, I guess some of that can be, like, there's, there's definitely truth to that. Some of that is situational, though. Like, you'll see a lot of specials now where it's like, no matter what audience that person was telling that joke in front of, it probably would have done well. And there really doesn't need to be context on their life about it. Those are unique situations, but they do occur. Right. Yeah. Uh, but even, I think even if you pay for a ticket, let's say you watched a Bill Burr special, right? Mm-hmm. Bill Burr's been performing for like 40, what, 30 years since the 90s? Uh. Uh, I think since, yeah, the late 90s, early 2000s. Right. Well, that's just what, are you saying like when he, like when he was started comedy or when he's like got big? Uh, I don't know enough about Bill Burr's life. I think that's when, I think that's when he started comedy. I can't remember. Ah. Like he started so like, old. Oh, okay. So like, yeah. yeah, like 20, 30 years of Bill Burr. Mm-hmm. Um, if you buy a Bill Burr ticket today, you know who Bill Burr is. Yeah. Like even if it would he would kill anywhere, you know who he is. Yeah. Um the opposite of that is there's two different types of comics. Um there is the comic that is that has one set that they do for years and they just don't press it, like put it on an album. Mm-hmm. Uh Chris Rock in the uh in his interview with Judd Apatow on Sick in the Head points out Leno and Seinfeld as the two. As like yep. two of them that just yeah. Um, if your dad saw Leno ten years ago and you saw Leno, they're probably the same thing. Yeah. Um, and Seinfeld. Seinfeld had newer stuff on his Netflix special, but half that is old stuff. Yeah. Um, does that still apply? Yeah, that means they didn't grow that much. Hmm. Or they didn't want to. Because they were so they were so busy trying to write evergreen material, uh, things that things that no matter what the situation in their life was, no matter what the situation of the world is, these things would still be applicable. Or they considered themselves locked in place, whereas the other comic that uh, Rock mentions, the one that Rock wants to be. Mm-hmm. Um, which I will go on record. I think I've mentioned it before, but Chris Rock is probably one of the smartest comedians going. Hands down. Hands down. Like like a lot of comics, when you interview them, sometimes when they interview, uh, you don't ever learn a lot about writing comedy. You learn about like specific things about comedy, but you don't ever get to learn. Chris Rock, I could 
could describe a joke being built from foundation to finished and and accu- uh, like accurately describe every part of the process and and is great at it. He is a fantastic comedian and a fantastic teacher. Yes. Um, I was actually upset that the article, that the interview was only like 10 pages. In, uh, in the book, Sick in the Head? Yeah. Yeah. I could have gone for like 100. But the other comics are Carlin and Pryor. And I will argue Rock. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is looking at the world and going, oh, this is what the world is now. Do mm-hmm. I adapt? How yeah. do I adapt? Do I have something to say? Right. Do I have something to say? Albert Brooks even points out that uh, in the same book, uh, it's a great book, by the way. There are some people that go, I don't care. There's some musicians and whatnot. There's some comics that go, ah, like, I think I might skip on the Roseanne bar. I don't know. I'm flipping a coin on the Roseanne bar interview. Mm. Um, Really depends on when that interview is done. Yeah. Uh, 90s Roseanne, I'd be down for. 20, 20 teens, Roseanne. Ah, we can skip that. <laughs> uh, even Roseanne Barr, when she uh, Rose, uh, referenced people by number in her later seasons of the writing Roseanne show, yeah, I want to hear what she has to say. I won't listen to it. I want to hear what that person has to say. Yeah. Something about that seems a little okay. Uh, not okay, but hmm. <laughs> um, but she, uh, Albert Brooks says some people think artists are looking ahead of the crowd and that they're a sightseer, seer, but they're mm-hmm. not. They're in the middle of the crowd and seeing what the crowd is at. And that's what a real audience uh, comedian is. Mm-hmm. And in that point, that's where the audience and the comedian, both contexts incredibly matter. And that's where the growth is. Uh, yeah. And that's, I think the best way to describe that. And you can't remove the, uh, the comedian from that. You don't need to know their audio bi- autobiography, mm-hmm. but I think their autobiography is very apparent in their set. And Patton Oswald proves that. Yeah, Patton Oswald is definitely like, you can go back and listen through his entire discography and he'll talk about not wanting to have kids, not wanting to get married. Then he's talking about, oh, I got married, now I'm having a kid. And they're just changes. Like, you see the changes in his life, and a lot of the times that change is being reflected like his audience is also experiencing those changes too. Yeah. Like his, and that's why his material is growing and the people are still fight, you know, flocking to him mm-hmm. who already liked him in the past is because he is changing. His life is changing essentially in step with how their life is changing too. Mm-hmm. And he keeps that pretty locked in. Even David, well, okay. David and I are at different points in our lives. Like David's married to, his wife mm-hmm. and I uh, am, you know, still single, have no kids. Mm-hmm. I rent a house. Like we're at different stages in our lives. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it is weird growing up and listening to punk rock Pat and Oswald and going, fuck yeah, I'm with you. I get it. And then watching this new special and I go, Oh, I forgot when I was listening to you, was 10 years after the album was made and you were 30 and yeah. I was 16. Yeah, you were you were already this guy. Yeah. But you are not this guy anymore. Right. And and that's a fun thing. I like that. Mm. Uh, also small cultural touchstones. This was made last year, I believe, uh, or early 20 fuck when was that? Uh, it was it was 2019. He says 2019 in the special. Right. Um he talks about 
one and in his annihilation special which was like what two years prior talks about has trump jokes and actually that's the part i actually dislike the most in annihilation uh not that i don't like trump jokes far from it um when i heard that trump says you'll have to remove me kicking and screaming from uh secret service i went oh. fuck is there a bot <laughs> I'll do that thirty dollars for two weeks that Disney Plus was trying to pull from Mulan. I'll do it here. Fuck it. <laughs> That's the one thing I won't pirate. <laughs> Pay full price for, the, for that. Pay full um, price. Fuck it. Um, but like, it, the reason why I didn't like an Annihilation is it felt removed and separate from everything else in that special. Uh, it was external and a bunch of internal. Yeah. Um, and I. When I think about Annihilation, I think specifically about Patton Oswalt's internal growth. David and I watched this special. When did we watch the special, David? The new one, I Love Everything, where he says, I don't have any Trump jokes, and it's really hard to write Trump jokes. We watched it in 2020. Right. What day? We, uh, we watched it the day that uh, it was announced that Joe Biden is the president-elect. I watched it the hour I heard it. Yeah. Yeah. So that part felt weird. <laughs> but there's yeah. a part that I want to add. I will also add that just because Biden is elect does not mean everything's fixed. Far from it. Oh, no. No, it definitely does not. But I think the, the main reason you saw so many people celebrating when it was announced was just because it's not it wasn't the other guy. It's not an actual Nazi, right? Y- yeah. Yeah, it's, but I want it's, it's definitely not the ideal situation, but it's, you know, yeah. better. It, it's marginally better. But I bring that up because of that thing that you and I heard. Even you and I heard. That, that's mm-hmm. the inflection I want. Even you and I have heard. Man. Trump must be great for you. No. No, never was. Mostly because I am not a political comedian to begin with. When I wanted to be a political comic, it wasn't. Mm -hmm. For a lot of reasons. Because it's just... Because the best way to make fun of politics and politicians is to, you know, lampoon them and exaggerate their flaws and their foibles. Trump is already at his maximum flawed. How the fuck are you going to heighten the ineptitude of Donald Trump? You can't. Um, So to me, it was a three-pronged thing. One, uh, certain things are so jaw-droppingly, like, hurtful that it is hard to to go, Mm ha-ha. Even painful. I've made fun of some painful things in my life. Even I go, no, fuck, holy shit. Yeah. Process. And then the other thing is, let's say you and I are writing a joke. When we do a joke on a stage in a club, that joke went through months Mm -hmm. of prep. Maybe years. Depending on what the joke is, yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, There's a new waking nightmare every day. Mm Mm-hmm. Every day, it sucked ass. Um, it's still gonna suck ass. Don't that that don't get me twisted. It's gonna suck, but mm. things change so quickly that you couldn't. Nothing. 
and everything was so horrific that you don't want to make fun of it. You want to go fight it. There's nothing great about Trump. Trump was never, nothing good was with him. Yeah. So ne- don't ever, mm. the dictator wasn't fun for the jester. No, no. The, the despot usually kills the jester because he can't joke about the jester. Yeah. Or the, the despot, sorry. Yeah. Remember, he never went to a. And I, I hate those. Like, oh, politics needs decorum. Nah, fuck that noise. But, like, he never went to the correspondence dinners because he didn't want to be made fun of. Like, there was no way to, like, spit in his eye in terms of comedy. You spat in his eye by fucking protesting and you keep protesting. Like, that's mm-hmm. basically all you could do. Mm-hmm. You couldn't make punk music. Uh, I guess running the light. Not running the light. Uh, run the jewels did pretty. You know that's not true. That's not true. Yeah, run the jewels. Rise Against did put out a pretty dope album. Yeah, with, uh, that's fair. Like the year after he was elected, they put out a pretty dope one. Um, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Uh, well, but so you said uh, that. Fuck you. That's uh, that's all I'm trying to get at. It's like, hey, fuck yeah. you. Yeah, Trump wasn't good for comedy, and it's kind of nice seeing. Because Patton has done at least a chunk of political humor or, you know, kind of put it in the background, you know, every single special that he's done. (laughs) Um, It was kind of, it was, uh, there was, uh, I think, only one reference when he was talking about that note his wife left him on his car, (laughs) where it was one of those, where he's like, oh no, one of these MAGA people found me. (laughs) Well, he said, I have no Trump jokes. And that's where the PCP monkey stuff is. Yeah. Yeah. But that, uh, like, it was just nice to not have the, like, it was nice to hear something else, actually. Because there have been so many people who do try to hammer Trump jokes and do political jokes and things of that nature, not in a subtle way. And it's I like, will, yeah. Take, take it out, put a metaphor in. That's my baby right there. The best Trump, arguably the best Trump joke was Mulaney's. Horse in the hospital? Horse in the hospital. And his tweet when Biden was elected was a horse walking away and him saying good riddance. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that he, interview where he brings up horse in hospital. Remember, he doesn't actually say Trump in that special. Mm-hmm. Come back, kid. It's no, wait, that's Kate Gorgeous. Yeah. Yeah. Um, honestly, best, best Trump show. Uh, because sometimes just saying orange man bad isn't, it doesn't work, right? It's, mm-hmm. but you need to point out what he is doing that was, that is causing the mm-hmm. damage and, and, and trying to alleviate that with a little bit of tension. It wasn't saying this is stupid that we're feeling this that way. No, it's very valid. A horse in a hospital is pointing out the damage of the presidency while not going, hey, man, look, Kafefi. Yeah. Yeah. Which, by the way, I cannot wait until we don't see another single one of those jokes. There was only one – there's one joke that someone made on Twitter. Probably a bunch of people have made it by this point. But we can be done with it forever now is someone posted, it's finally Ofefi. Instead of over, fine, fine. We're done with we're done with Kofefe now. <laughs> you got a half smile. Please stop. 
you got a half smile out of me. That's all yeah. you needed. Uh, I'm tired of like because here's the thing. Basically, you're pointing at him and going "ha ha" without ever mentioning like what he's doing. Like that's just like I I, I can't ha- hammer this enough. It is not that we say you shouldn't make fun of the president. They'll fucking do it all the time. Fucking no. Mm-hmm. Like, are you kidding me? No. Don't respect the presidency. No, they work for you. No, yeah. it is that we never point like people didn't ever spit in his eye. They just capitalized the R in Trump. Yeah. It it was it was more childish mockery than smart, you know, quippy. Like we're actually we're yeah, we're actually making yeah. And it, it was more because that's all they could because the dude had already reached his maximum absurd, you know, yeah. throughout his entire presidency. So how could people, you know, elevate and like because that's what the the whole purpose of political jokes is is elevation. You're elevating, you know, to an to a uh, maybe not so absurd, but a higher degree to make it, you know, funny. And you yeah. couldn't do that all you could do is just be like haha he spelled the word wrong like it, it was hard to make fun of him i'll give him that like well no, it wasn't hard no. to make fun of him it was hard to write good jokes about him so, it was easy to make fun of him yes but i i will argue i will remember bill burr's snl opener mm-hmm. and the horse in the uh hospital both make fun of the reasons of why this is bad and makes fun of basically white uh, complacency. Mm-hmm. More than I remember anything Alex Baldwin did. Yep. That's, that's it, it. It is commentary, not mockery. Yeah. And that's and what... That's what you should strive for. That's what political humor should be, is commentary, not just out-and-out mockery. Because out and out mockery is, it's not smart. It's yeah. not. Uh, or Borat too. Yeah. I did. Friend of the show, Preston Tompkins, did have a. He did have a pretty funny tweet this morning. He was like, "Okay, can we all finally admit now that do nothing Democrats was pretty good? It was pretty good." Like oh yeah, I didn't think he made that. I thought I thought the leftists made that. I thought we made that because do nothing Democrats. It, he it, he ju- definitely jumped on board. If he didn't mm-hmm. out and out, it was like okay, whoever did think of that, that was pretty good. That's that's good. Do nothing yeah. Democrats, fucking told like amazing. Actually, yes. apt. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um. Uh, I will remember Borat too. Not even, not even commentary. Just sh- putting a mirror to Rudy Giuliani and, and Trump supporters. All I need. Yeah. All I just, need. Just showing these people who, just showing who these people were to themselves, is yeah. was enough. It's all yeah. Just saying, just saying, orange man bad. Mm-hmm. Right, but showing showing that, and that's. That is why I hated Trump. Uh, some Trump jokes, especially like local stuff, because it wasn't ever. Uh, a lot of it wasn't more than that. Uh, if you did a Trump joke, I wouldn't get mad at you. I I understand it because of course it, this is an outlet that you need to get rid of the frustration. But 
I mm. I want pe- people to say something. Yeah. And people were mostly just, they weren't saying anything they when they would make anything. these jokes. And if you're not going to say anything when you're making these jokes, then why bother? Just why? Like, you can... Um, you can... You white noise? Yeah. Like, yeah. just... Just leave it, leave it to other people who actually have, you know, a stance to take on these things instead of Will- trying to inject yourself. Uh, the Wilmore Show? On Larry Pico. Wilmore? Yep. No, it's called yep. Wilmore. Oh, it's just Wilmore now? Um, very first click, if you click play on Peacock, which we got for free because it costs, you click play. First two things you see is you see the pictures of the Black Lives Matters movement and then somebody holding a sign saying this is stolen land. Mm-hmm. And then he goes into and talks about like this is what it like first episode, Cory Bush. What's it like? What was it like in Ferguson? What's it like on the front lines now? And goes into it. We talk about it. What's the right way to protest? And it's still a fun show put down by a comedian. Mm-hmm. I'd much rather listen to that than Baldwin. Yeah. Alec Baldwin doing uh, honestly, which was not a good Trump impression. It's not a good Trump impersonation. In fact, it, when I it got just, better. Uh, I'll give him that. It got better. When I did but sketches for Cam, yeah, he said, "Listen, watch Alec Baldwin's because it's the easiest mm-hmm. to mimic, and it's very broad." Yeah. I don't think he said easy isn't very broad, but he goes, that's the one people know. And that's the one, if you want to copy, do that one. Cause you have to perform in like three hours. And I go, yep. Yeah. Uh, and I will say it is the easiest and it is the broadest and it is kind of the laziest. Yep. Yep. One, one, one more positive of him not being in office anymore is uh, we probably won't see Alec Baldwin on Saturday. You know, we will. <laughs> well, you know, we will. Yeah. Until will. January at least. Yeah. Anyway, let's move on off of let's move Every, on off of this. Yeah. I'm I'll be honest, I'm a little over it. I'm a little over everything. Like I'm happy, but there's still a shit ton of work to do. Same. I just I, can't wait till we're done talking. Yeah. I just yeah. I just can't wait until we're I just can't wait until we're back talking about different things that aren't centered around one dude. I I can't wait to uh i can't wait to just keep going and keep getting out there but like i wanted to point out this in this special because it was a funny time capsule and yes. a, uh and because i think we'll never bring it up again mm-hmm. but wait what knock on knock on wood yeah never do it again never bring it up again what was it like when people said what's it being a comedian in trump it must be great right no yeah no no it wasn't <laughs> No. If you want to write political comedy, cut this part out. Remember it. It is mm-hmm. commentary, not mockery. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Now, I do want to move on to Patton real quick before we wrap up here. Please. Um, everybody says his KFC famous bulls joke is like the most iconic Patton joke ever. Iconic. I can I could say iconic. Yeah, not his best. I want that joke replaced with in people's memories with his breakfast cereals bit that bit God. was so smart and so good and so punchy it i i like the famous bulls bit it is an iconic bit 
I, th- I if, when people remember Patton Oswald, I want them to remember the breakfast cereal bit because the breakfast cereal bit is I don't know. It's just a ne- it's a next level amazing kind of like it's I really didn't know it, yeah. And I did yeah. I didn't know every I didn't know that somebody could talk about something as mundane as a breakfast cereal and how not just breakfast cereal. Not mm-hmm. just breakfast cereal. Old people breakfast cereal. Yeah. Your f- breakfast cereals when you're 50 plus years old. Yeah. Old is maybe not the right word, but yeah. 50 plus year old breakfast cereal. Is just that, just down to premise alone. That is moi perfect. It is. And that's the point, I think, when you and I can argue. Because, like, you know how. Okay, we've seen kind of not good comics, right? Yeah. And they always try to make things really big. And it's always about this person I dated. Oh, they did this fucked up thing. Or, wow, look at this. Isn't it wacky? But, like, the funniest things are just taking the normal things, turning off that, like, uh, apathetic uh, glasses off your eyes and looking at, isn't it fucking weird? Mm. Isn't it? Isn't breakfast cereals just a little weird when you're older, where it's just a novella on the back of it? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And then playing with that. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's... Because I've noticed this difference. Like, I, I am a huge fan of the sugary kids' breakfast cereals. Like, if... Yeah. Captain I want, great. I, I once bought a one of those big bags of... Captain Crunch's Oops All Berries cereal. I want to get Oops All Berries. I haven't gotten that yet. Dude, Oops All Berries is the best cereal. I Fuck love yeah. it so much. It is great. Turns your poop green. It's fun all the way through the process. That's the prize inside, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good one. <laughs> I, 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 I've been hit. Listen, people have been saying it's hard to write jokes during quarantine, and I agree. But having a podcast where you just go, just rapid fire these, that's all you need. <laughs> yep. Just go back, listen to it, and write some shit down. Anyway. Yep. But I I love the sugary breakfast cereals. But I've also been noticing, I'm just getting close to 30. I'm like, I do need to start eating a little healthier. So I'll get, you know, a, you know frosted, you know, mini wheats or something oh, like that. Oh, that's but the worst eat, one. I... I like frosted many ways as far as like a fibrous cereal, something that helps you. But how many bunches of oats? Uh, but well, even with that, like I've noticed just that small difference from the boxes, like the yeah. big bright blue, the green and red and purple berries on the Oops All Berry cereal box to honey bunches of oats, which it's not as bland as the cereal boxes that Patton describes, but it's, you know, it's yellow-ish. Yep. With just a picture of the cereal. And uh, then the Frosted Mini Wheats is like, it's orange. It's not real flashy. It's yeah. a little more fun than the Honey Bunches of Oats. But there's these huge disparities between these cereal boxes. I've noticed them before, but I've never really thought about them. Patton yeah. noticed them and thought about them and wrote a brilliant bit. Yeah. 
That's what I mean by the apathy glasses. Yeah. Also, at my favorite uh, cartoon mascot uh, of cereal uh, is Honey Bunches of Oats, JPEG of Almond. <laughs> you, who are you for? I just I, don't know. I, who said this? I don't know. I don't, like, I clearly have the energy that appeals to, like, a, a 20, like, early 20s, late 20s audience. Mm-hmm. But I talk about, like, man, isn't Snaggletooth fucking, fucking hilarious? Oh, don't you love Snaggletooth? Um, like, man, like, man, Hogan's Heroes, that's fucking weird. We just had Nazis on TV. And I was like, that's weird. I guess not. And we made them goofy. We didn't make them like. Goofy. <laughs> Seriously, when that week I was living with my mom and we were watching like like TV Land or Me TV and Hogan's Heroes came up and I go, this is. What the fuck is this? This this shouldn't exist. Anyway, that's a side tangent. Fuck, it shouldn't exist. Neither should Green Anchors. But, um, uh, I don't know who I'm for. I, I am for a wide variety of audiences and I appeal to no one. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so that, that was my, that was the one thing that I want people to know. If they haven't watched it before watching it, the serial bit from Patton Oswalt needs to be the new like iconic bit uh we're gonna i'm gonna change up some of these fast side questions because i'm not asking you the same ones but i i will say like um, if you're writing yeah. that joke is what it means to turn your apathy goggles off because there's a lot of weird fucking things mm-hmm. that are like like i call it like the needle skipping on the album or some say the matrix glitch where it's like this shouldn't work but it but we accept that it works yeah Oh, those things are everywhere. It's just finding when to turn, like you said, turn the apathy off and just notice what's yeah. going on around you because they're, they are everywhere. But also I've noticed when trying to write jokes kind of about that, you can't really, you can't force it. You can't force it. It has to spark something in you. Yeah. It has to spark like joy or like what the fuck. Like Baconator. Yeah. Like Baconator came up when Jake and I were talking. I think we saw it on like Reddit or something that clearly Baconator had to have sex. But then Jake and I looked at each other and goes, fuck. Bacon, why is it called the son of Baconator? That sandwich had sex. Mm-hmm. Or like my like it's weird that I'm running bits by my therapist. Yeah. And I have to step back and why am I doing this? Like things like that. Mm-hmm. Like, it has to spark something in you. And also, just as a general, like, writing tool, if you are just struggling to write something, I mean, maybe not so much now with COVID, but, you know, when this is over, even if you don't need to go to the grocery store, just go to the grocery store. Yeah. And walk around for a little bit, but just keep your, keep your eyes open. And try to notice things. Yeah. And try to think about, you know, these weird things that we just kind of accept that could definitely be done differently or that are, you know, just odd. Like they work, it works this way, and this is probably the best way it could work, but why? Like, just go looking for things like that. And grocery stores are a super relatable topic because you 
everybody's in there. Everybody's been down the cereal aisle. You know the boxes that Patton is describing in yeah. this bit. Just go, just go look for, just go look for that stuff, and maybe you'll get nothing except a snack, or maybe you'll walk away with a new bit, with a new, you know, two minute, three minute bit, depending on and how I, you write. I will argue you have you have routines that you do, you have errands that you continuously run. Do it, but turn your phone off. Take your headphones out. Mm-hmm. Focus on what the people around you are doing. Look at it. Yeah. Because those errands, everyone does those errands. Mm -hmm. You're not special. Yeah. But special (laughs) things happen. Special things happen. Right. So, like, you're doing things like you go, is this relatable? Who notices this? Mm -hmm. Everyone goes to the laundromat. Everyone goes to the post office. Well, not everybody goes to the laundromat. Well, everyone does. (laughs) Yeah, fair. You're right. But, like... (laughs) Like, the, I'm, trying, I'm trying to think of errands people do outside of their house, but like everyone. Well, I mean, even even chores that you do around your house. Like I, I had a new bit added to, I had a new joke added to a bit. That's the right way to say that. Uh, just this past week, when I was taking my trash out, my neighbor asked if he could put something in my trash can on trash day. What the fuck? It's a monster. Yeah, and I listen to enough murder podcasts to know that you say no to that because that's how you make that's how you make the list of uh, persons of interest in a serial killer investigation, and that that seamlessly moved into how I the bit that I have about how I don't get to know my neighbors. Yeah, because if they are somebody who does something super fucked up like that, I don't want to be the person on the news. I just. Instead of having my, you know, headphones in and not paying attention, uh, well, even then, that situation doesn't really apply because I was just doing a thing and something happened. Mm-hmm. So that's why you should keep your phone off and your, or not your phone off, but your phone down your, you know, at least one headphone out. Because if you're doing something totally normal, something strange might happen in this totally mundane task that you normally do. Mm-hmm. And now you got something from it. Exactly. I, uh, one, that is, even, even besides the murder thing, uh, people don't do that and people shouldn't do that. Don't, don't get near me in my trash. Well, the neighbor that he was, he just needed a place to throw his pumpkins away from Halloween. No, 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 Mm -hmm. This is the only time I'll ever say Get off my lawn is if you do that shit. As if you're near your trash cans. Get the fuck away from... Get out of here. There's an unspoken rule. Mm-hmm. Unspoken. You don't, don't go trash. through people's trash. Don't go through people's trash. Also, and this is a very specific Omaha thing, we just got new garbage cans, and I looked at it, and I got, like, irrationally angry. I go, I didn't fucking ask for this. Where did this happen? When did this happen? Did... Was this a thing that people asked for? Where was I? Where the fuck are these? Dude, are you live in a, aren't good enough? Fuck you. You. Live, you live in a city that provides you free trash cans. Shut it's, up. It's not, I have to go buy my own. I have some. It, okay, it is okay. This is where the most like this is why Jeremy sometimes can't watch Curb. 
Mm -hmm. because I relate too much to Larry. And I go, yeah, Larry's right. Why is everyone treating Larry like he's the bad guy? He's right. (laughs) It is... It is not that they gave me new trash. It is not that I have new trash cans. It is that they gave it to me and that they assumed that mine, that I own, are not good enough. Fuck you. Uh, you you have thought way more about this than you should. <laughs> why the fuck do I get this? Like, I didn't ask for it. I didn't vote on What the fuck? I'm just saying. It'd be nice to ask. It's a bit passive aggressive, is all I'm saying. <laughs> it's a bit of so- I should recycle, but it's a lot to you to assume that I do. Oh like, my fuck- god. Mm. I feel so I feel so I feel so bad for your dry cleaner. <laughs> There's no way you don't complain all the time. Like, I'm sorry, but you there were seven patches on my fucking jean jacket, and now there are six. Where did seven or little? I have like thirteen. Tea. and a bunch of pins um no i can compl- i complain to nobody and i wait till this moment <laughs> oh god so i get to hear the brunt of your fu- fucking this grief. is like mm, i'm just mm. <laughs> here what is the deal with these new crash cans that is that is basically my my, my feelings what is the deal well most people call them trash cans not crash cans, but Fuck. you know, it's just, it's just, it's just, it's, just, it's a lot of assumptions. It, and if they're big trash cans, what you think I have a lot of trash? I do, but maybe I don't want to show it. Like I'm just well, saying, now, it's a lot, a lot of assumptions. Well, now you don't, because visually, one big trash can is a lot better than three or four smaller trash cans out That's on. Fair. That's fair. It's just a lot of assumptions. A lot of assumptions. And I don't like them. I don't like them. You're going to have a lot to talk about in therapy this week, aren't you? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I also realized I'm going to be a cankerous old man, like, at 31. What do you mean going to be? (laughs) You already are. Fair. No, that's fair. I just, uh, this is also, this is also half the reason why I don't watch Curb. It's like, I just, I'm not going to, I'm not going to find Larry funny. I'm going to go, why are people persecuting him? (laughs) He's clearly right. <laughs> you should be on eggstales if you're a guest in someone's home. What? Why should I assume that the, I should be comfortable in someone else's home? No. Well, everybody, thanks for listening this Thank week. You. This has been a. This, this I, has I, been I, an episode. I want to do the cool down question, but instead of that, I want to go. What's your favorite cereal? Oh, my favorite cereal. Oh, it is a. It is a tie between uh, Oops All Berry cereal or the Eggo Waffle cereal. It used to be Waffle Crisp, but then I guess they decided to throw the Eggo branding on it or whatever. So it's uh, waffle Eggo Crisp Waffle. Is back? No. Eggo Waffle, though. It's Eggo same- Waffle cereal. It's essentially the exact same cereal. Ooh, that sounds really good. I haven't had cereal mm. in a minute. One cereal that I miss more than anything is uh, French Toast Crunch. I want them to bring French Toast Crunch. I don't think I've ever had that. That was a little before my time. Mm, It is Uh, so good. It's I want that. Um, I love, I actually like almost a lot of Captain Crunch. Even basic Captain Crunch is just little yellow squares. I love all of it. 
but peanut butter one and regular berry crunch is really good. Mm, peanut uh, butter crunch. That's a good one too. Peanut butter mm. crunch. Uh, Reese's Puffs. I was never a big Reese's Puff guy. I don't like chocolate milk and I don't like chocolate cereal because it turns into chocolate milk. But mm. Reese's Puffs, I fuck with those. Those are good. They're really good. Um, and I also really like, I actually really do enjoy just regular cornflakes with a little bit of sugar mm. added on top. Here's, here's a cereal that I miss too. Uh, honeycomb, but the strawberry honeycomb. Oh, I had that once. I just, I also just love honeycombs. I'll oh, honeycomb is great too. Yeah, but if they brought if they brought back strawberry honeycomb, mm. 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 Kicks is underrated. Kicks are good. Yeah, it's it's kid tested and mom approved. I hate this question so much now. <laughs> Um, you know, we talk, we've, we've lost a lot of patent on and off this podcast. Yeah. What's your favorite patent joke? My favorite patent joke. Yeah. Um, I mean, we kind of already talked about it for me. It, it, it came from this special. It's the cereal joke. It, it took the place of the, uh, of the mega leg joke that he did. It was like a follow up. It was a follow-up, like, extra track on a CD to, yeah. uh, yeah, when he's talking about the KFC Mega Leg. Oh, yeah. Avant, the avant-garde show bit with him and the musician, uh, the magician. Oh, the traveling, yeah, the comedy magician. Yeah. That's a good one, too, yeah. That one, that one hits me. It hits me more as a comedian now. Mm-hmm. Having done some of those shitty shows and and working with the magic- magician, yeah, yeah, that one hits. It hits a little harder, but I love I love it to death. I love it to death. Um, uh, David, you're heading out to uh, Las Vegas. Any pre-prepping stuff for? No- uh, let's say a newer comic uh, is getting into a, a festival post-COVID, or it's safe. Mm-hmm. We've both done festivals. What what are some pre-packing stuff, like some packing stuff, like getting on the plane, or just pre-festival stuff you focus on? The pre-festival stuff I focus on, first and foremost, is knowing, not necessarily knowing ahead of time what jokes that I'm going to do, but ideally having a good, a good chunk of jokes that I'm like, okay, if I need to pull this out this weekend, it's ready to go. I can do it. Uh, not even necessarily because it's at you know it's the best that joke can be. It's just I remember this joke. Like that is huge, especially since you might begin into a situation that you're a little more uncomfortable with, a little more intimidating. So just being sure, like, and if you're having a joke that's bombing, being able to bail out of that one and go into a joke that you can just think of off the top of your head and that you know, like that will make you feel a lot more comfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, which is one of the reasons I was fortunate enough to do a weekend at the Tada Theater in Lincoln with Erica Rhodes. And I got to run through an entire, you know, I got to run through uh, two or four 25-minute sets where I just threw in a bunch of old jokes that I haven't been able to tell in a while because of the uh, quarantining and things shutting down for COVID. 
so I got those refresh in my mind and now I'm ready to go out to Vegas and I'm like, okay, if I need to, I can pull this joke and just I, do I, it. I don't think you understand how jealous I am. Friend of the show, uh, Matt Blevins once worked with Erica Rhodes and I said, I would actually murder somebody. <laughs> and she, here's, she, she is great. She is fantastic. The time she went to Lincoln, I had gotten on a plane it was the night mm-hmm. before I had to get on a plane to go to Boston for a work conference. And I got there and she, uh, and the week before she was already in Boston mm. and I was yeah. so pissed because I want to work. I, I would kill to work with her. I would just want to see her live. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've worked, I've worked with her twice now and she's, she's just good at what she does plain yeah. and simple. And she is so nice off stage. Like She's a can't... damn great comic, and I bet a amazing mm. person. And I'm so fucking jealous. <laughs> yes, uh, I. You'll you'll get it one day, buddy. Don't you uh, worry. Oh, um, I hope so. I I hope so. Always the brightest face, never the bride. But, but the the other thing to know before a festival is uh, th- this is just a general travel tip as well. Um. A pack more clothes than days you're going to be there because you don't know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. I always do and, at least one day. Yeah. yeah. It, the, depending on the length of the trip, if I'm going to be out there for three, four days, whether it's for a festival or if I'm doing a club out of town, I pack for you know an extra day. If I'm gone like for Vegas here for a week, I might pack you know two extra days. just uh, Or you know, an extra pair of pants and two extra shirts, just something because you never know what's going to happen. Just be prepared for that. And also pack things that you are comfortable wearing. Yeah. Like that's a, because you're going to be out of your element. You're going to be out of town. And if you're a newer comedian and this is like your first time going to do something, you're going to want something that feels comfortable because you're going to be in some uncomfortable and not necessarily uncomfortable in a bad way, uh, situations just they're not your norm so dress in something that you do, you're like okay I feel confident wearing this I feel I look good wearing this because you know the old adage you know look good feel yeah. good feel good play good yeah that's yep. you yeah just make sure that you're comfortable when you're out there as much as you possibly can be and a lot of that comes down to the clothes that you're wearing yeah um, my adage to that on the comedy side, even if you're an introvert, one, get yourself ready to talk because I believe that almost if you've heard any other comic on this podcast that has not been from Omaha or Lincoln, it's because of festivals. Yeah, That's, it's people. Yeah. It's people you meet on the road. Mm-hmm. Um, be ready to network. Be uh, don't ever think of this as a competition, even if it's a competition. Yeah, like just. Be ready to network, be ready to have fun, uh, and just be yourself uh, because that's why they hired you. In terms yeah. of travel, this is what I learned from speech. This is what I learned from Rochelle, who is, who is like a speech mom and almost like an, an actual mom to me. I don't care how small your town is. I do not care. Get to the airport two hours early. Don't wear a belt. Mm-hmm. Shoes that you can get in and out of quickly. Yeah. Personally, I have an army bag that I could fit a week's worth of clothes in. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I learned from experience when I was in California. Double check the carry on policy. Double check. Triple yes. check. If you have to pay more for it, do it, but just check. Uh, and out two hours early. You need to be two hours early. Turn mm. off all your phones. Keep something that can give you, like, like I bring a book and my iPod and maybe like my DS. Something mm. I can sit for a while that doesn't need internet. And I say, fuck it. Um, prep yourself for jet lag. I have terrible, I get very sick, especially coming into Omaha. Mm hmm. Gum doesn't work. Yawning doesn't work. So I drink like a sailor. Yeah. For for me, the best way, like, the best way to fight jet lag, if you're going, like, for me, I'm going to be going to the Pacific time zone. That's yeah. going to be two hours behind what I'm normally at. So when my show on Monday at, is at 8, it's going to be 10 p.m. Mm -hmm. this time. What I'm planning on doing and I'm hoping it works is adjusting my sleep schedule. And I've kind of done that the past two days where I'm waking up two hours later than I normally yeah. would. I'm going to bed. I mean, it, it, it wouldn't be effective. I mean, it wasn't this effective this weekend because I just got in late anyway, but it kind of helped. I went to bed two hours later than I normally would Yeah, because it's going to be two hours later when I go to the Pacific time zone. So hopefully I'll still be awake and in my element or in, you know, have all my faculties when I get on there is going to be a normal time here is going to be a late night set. Yeah. So just trying to get, trying to get that acclimated. So that way it doesn't feel as much when you're, like, it doesn't weigh you down as much when you get out there. Uh, a, a small thing I do, as soon as you're done with TSA, change the time on your watch. I don't worry about that because I don't wear a, I don't wear a watch. But if you do, yeah, ch just change the time already. Uh, or change it when you get on the plane. So that way yeah. you don't, you know, you aren't farting around in the food court and you miss your flight. Yeah. You. Oh, I, I don't leave. The boarding area, mm -hmm. where I don't leave. I maybe go mm -hmm. to the restaurant nearest. I don't leave mm -hmm. at all. Like I, I, I stay put. I'm also mm -hmm. uh, this is uh, when I when I am flying when I am traveling, which I think is very important. When you're doing festivals like this, is stuff you need to prepare for. Very, very strict. I have very strict rules. Mm -hmm. You do not leave. Yeah. It's going to be boring waiting yep. like the, the traveling part, no, no matter what you're, whether you're flying or driving, the traveling part of anything in comedy is usually the boring part. Yes, Unless you're driving, you, you have a little more control over what you're like listening to and doing and the, the situation is like, like you, yeah. And you can, but you can control like, you know, when you're going to stop and when you're going to eat, you can't really, you don't really have much control in the airplane. So that's, no. yeah. and and I can't stress how important that is. The minute something bad, uh, the minute something bad happens, mm -hmm. like something goes off step in your travel, you're gonna feel that in your in in your it, once in your destination. Yeah, yeah. That's why, even if like I, you know, I'm flying out to Vegas day of my show tomorrow, mm -hmm. uh, from when we're recording this. 
and good fucking luck. I mean that with with, yeah. with respect. Good luck. I I'm leaving. I'm I'm arriving in uh, Vegas at around three o'clock. Yeah. My show isn't till eight o'clock that night. So I am going to have time to reset a little. Yeah. I also I'm can't hear for 12 hours after I land. Oh, I don't. I do not have that problem as much. Yeah, I can't hear for like 12 hours. So I prep for that. Uh, yeah, so David, I'm super excited for you. Cannot wait. Thanks, man. I'm excited too. It'll be, it'll be a lot of fun. And next week, if we want to hear all about, I can't wait next week on our episode to talk to you all about it. And because yeah. I think the, the thing you learn most is going out. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, stick with us next week. Um, a twist on the old formulas. What joke are you most excited to say on uh, tomorrow? Uh, the joke I'm most excited about is <laughs> a joke I'm always uh, the most nervous to do. Mm. Whenever I go to a place I, that's what? Can I guess it? Yeah. You said joke you're most excited to do. Yeah. But also the most nervous to do. Most nervous. It's the it's the funeral guillotine, isn't it? No. No no no. Fuck. no. And it's funeral catapult. It's the it's Pulvergoli. Because I don't know oh, how shit. Vegas how Vegas, even though they have a professional hockey team in that city, I have no idea how people are going to react to. Really, that one? Oh, the goalie. Yeah. I, that joke is because it gets a little steep into hockey metaphors when I do that joke. so seen a hockey game in his life. Mm-hmm. I'm never lost. Mm-hmm. And in fact, that's I say a lot of jokes that you say are my favorite. That is up there. Oh, thank you. That is up there. I really think that's going to do well. I hope so. It's just, it's, that's, it's a joke that, depending on where I tell it, it, it does well or it doesn't. And there are areas there where it's middle ground. Yeah. So yeah. we'll see. Um, yeah. Uh, perfect. Um, David, uh, I know you probably have to get ready for the, uh, for the, I almost said for the funeral, uh, for the, <laughs> for the festival. But um, always a play. I, I enjoy guestless ones sometimes. Cause I just enjoy talking to you. Yeah. You're a good friend. Best of luck tomorrow. We, we, thank you. I appreciate that. We thought this was going to be a short episode, but it ended up being. No. I mean, we'll see what happens when we get it edited down. But <laughs> it's, it's not that bad. We've had worse. But be yeah. safe too, okay? I will. Thanks, man. Be safe. Got it. Um, and with that, everyone, for you listening as well, be safe. Download our podcast. So you can listen to us on the plane. And uh, we love you all. Shock, bro. Stay up, ski slopes.